Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning, James. I was going to do it in Spanish. What would that be? What's I don't know. In Spanish? I don't know. You see, Buenos dias. Is, yeah. is good. But if you say buenas ideas, buenas ideas, like with a Y at the end, it sounds like good ideas. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what a, a goodly morning is in Spanish. Nevertheless, goodly morning to you in English. Oh, muchas gracias, señor. I'm, I, uh, uh, it's, uh, it is a goodly morning. And welcome back. Welcome back to the Arscast and welcome back to Arsblog, I guess, after your holiday. Thank you very much indeed. It's, uh, you know, it's great to be back. What can I tell you? It's not as great as being on a beach in the uh, 30 degree heat. Uh, going up to the Chiringuito, the little bar at the at the beach, and ordering a couple of beers at twelve o'clock, and of course a packet of ham on ruffles to have with the beer, which of course are salty and make you want another beer. It's not as great as that, but it is it is still good to be back. It was a good holiday. Is, is it like being a footballer and coming back off your holidays, and it's now like the start of pre-season, and everything's much harder than it ordinarily <laughs> is? Like getting up to write the blog is that much more difficult? It is a little bit. It is a little bit, but because it's been such a routine for so long, it's it's quite easy to to slip back into it. But yeah, there is an element of that for sure. An element. You know, you're coming back. You're looking out the window. It's quite grey, and yeah, yeah. I mean. I, 
I don't know if you've noticed while you've been away, but the ham on ruffles thing is is really spiralling out of control. I receive tweets every single day, and we're not getting a penny out of this. No, I, I have noticed that, and it's now got to the point where there are just so many ham on ruffles tweets that I don't know what to do with them. It's hard to reply to all the <laughs> all the ham on ruffles tweets because yeah, you're right though. I mean, I think we have single handedly increased the market. Uh, what's the word you would say? Um, awareness of ham on ruffles in a brand new market because they're not available in the UK. We did get a tweet uh, the other day. See if I can just find it here very quickly. Um, yeah, we got I saw a tweet this. from. Hang on. Boom, boom, boom. Let's see. I don't have it to hand, but it was. Somebody. I have it here. I have it here. Oh, here we go. It's uh, Gunner or uh, Gunner Go Nuts. A guy called uh, uh, what's his name? Well, it says Mr. McMillan. Mr. McMillan, I don't know what his first name is. I apologize. But he wrote to Walkers because Walkers are the parent company of of um, Ham on Ruffles. It's PepsiCo, basically. And they said to him, I'm sorry, we do not manufacture or distribute this product in the UK and have no current plans to launch it in this country. I mean... It's all part of Gary Lineker's evil plan. Maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to get Gary Lineker on the case because if Gary Lineker was to say, hey, we need some ham on ruffles in this country, people would make it happen. He's a man of influence and, and power. He can that's do it. television shows in his underpants. Surely he could get <laughs> ham on ruffles into the UK and Ireland. Well, he's got connections in Spain as well, lest we forget. Well, yeah, of course. He spent uh, some time in Barcelona as a player there. I mean, maybe he too understands the joys, the salty, ham goodness of ham ruffles. Maybe this well, is the it. approach, yeah. We can spend our summer petitioning Lineker to introduce ham ruffles to, to the UK, <laughs> to the mainland and Ireland. Let's not leave Ireland out. No, let's not leave Ireland out, James. Let's not. Uh so there's been all sorts going on back here since you've been away. I mean, did you hear about the flying ants? Did you hear about that? I heard about that in Dublin, actually. The the flying ants. Did you have them in the UK as well? Yeah, and I had never heard of this. No one had ever told me that I somehow have lived 31 years unaware that the flying ant day was a thing. I don't know where I've, I've been inside, maybe, when it's been going on. Perhaps. But I was very much caught in it in a pub garden. And it was shortly after I talked to you about being attacked by moths. And yeah. Well, one moth, let's not exaggerate. But flying ants are, are kind of moth-esque in their manner. You know what I mean? Well, you've, they've got the same flappy thing going on. Well, you know, it's the, it's the yeah. flapping. It's not so much the, the insect itself, but the flappiness of the insect. You know, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a good thing. Not a good thing. Well, what was... And I didn't have my trusty Hoover with me. That was the issue. Oh, no. No vacuum cleaner, I know. <laughs> no PowerPoint even nearby. And there was a guy in the pub garden who recognised me as James from Gunnerblog, and he saw me being attacked by the ants and was delighted. He was like, brilliant, <laughs> we'll be signing someone. And, and he said, before that, I'd pointed you out to my wife and I'd explained that when bad things happen to you, good things happen to Arsenal. And she said she thought you were walking with a limp. So everyone's just so excited at the possibility that I might be hurt at any time. Well, this is it. But we also have to factor in the the Andrew being away on holidays part of this because the minute wow. I went away, so much happened. You know, we, know. we broke the club transfer record. Jens Lehmann comes back as a coach. Per Mertesacker is going to be uh, announced as the, or is announced as the head of the academy. He's going to take that job up in 12 months' time. There was uh, Mesut Ozil saying that he wants to stay. There was a new goalkeeping coach spotted. So I really think that if we could perhaps combine these two things, 
me being away right. and you being hurt, damaged slightly. So what if we could crowdfund a 12-month, well, nine-month holiday for the duration of the season and you could be like, I don't know, my, my houseboy and I could inflict mild corporal, corporal punishment upon you before games. I wouldn't scar you too badly. And sure. we would, we'd win everything. Yeah, I mean that would be the trouble in the back. Well, I mean the, the rubbish trouble with Europa League in it. Let's let's be honest. We picked a bad season to develop this plan. We should have done it a year when we were in the Champions yeah. League. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I'd take some other trophies. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to all the stuff that's happened, I just want to regale you with one of the funniest moments of the the holiday. Barcelona as a city. We were a couple of days uh, in Barcelona. We'd spent six days down the coast, which was great running and jumping into the sea first thing in the morning. It's amazing hangover cure. Mm-hmm. But we had a couple of days in Barcelona, and and obviously, like any big city, there are there are characters in it. There are people mm. who you go, ooh, that, that guy's a bit of a, that guy's a bit unique. Um, but Barcelona has, I don't know, it has accumulated a strange expat English Irish community, and I, I know uh, of it well because I was part of it, and I used to play football in a team there, which was operated out of one of the uh, one of the English pubs called the the Philharmonic, which is on Calle Mallorca. But anyway, we were wandering around Barcelona down towards down towards the port one day, and we saw um, an English guy singing. The Fields of Athenry. You know the Fields of Athenry? I know it well. You know yeah, it yeah, well. Yeah. It's a song about uh, how during the famine, one poor Irish man who was so desperate for food, he stole corn from one of the English uh, landholders, I, I guess it was, and was then deported to Botany Bay in Australia. It's a very traditional Irish ballad singing a song about the troubles that the Irish had inflicted upon them uh, by by the English. Not all the English, I just want to make that clear, not all the English, obviously, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Not holding grudges here, but that's what the, the theme of the song is. So mm. this guy was standing uh, down towards the port in Barcelona singing, Low line of fields of Roy while doing Nazi salutes. No. I swear to God, it was the most bananas thing I think I've ever seen. It's like, I, I, why, what, could not get my head around that at all, but it was quite funny. That is bewildering. I, some football fans sing Fields of Athenry, don't well, they? Celtic, think, Celtic do. Um, Celtic. And I think Liverpool might have. They have co-opted point. it to something low lie. The Fields oh, of, see. of Anfield, Anfield Road, Road, isn't it? Know, yeah, yeah, that's the one. You know, so. Uh, wow. So the wow. Okay, mm. that's a fascinating. I mean, it, imagine the sort of political journey that man has been on to bring him to that point. Well, that's what I was thinking. You know, what what exactly does he think he's singing about or gesturing about or? Or whatever. I don't. I don't. I don't quite know. But it's funny. But there you go. That's um. That's part of the joy of Barcelona. Seeing yeah. people like that. Seeing people like that, and then moving very quickly in a different direction from that person. You know. Exactly. It's like if you go down to Speaker's Corner in London, and you get some very erudite and interesting people, and some genuine lunatics. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that's big cities, I guess. Sure. But all is. in all, a good break for you. All, yeah, absolutely. Batteries are more or less recharged, um, you know, and obviously we're heading into 
uh, a new season and the new season, the pre-season has begun. The guys are down under in Australia having a great old time, it seems. They're having fun down there and why wouldn't they? Um, and the first game took place yesterday. So, we, I mean, should we talk briefly about that game and then move on yeah, to did you, did some of the other it? bits? I watched about the last 20 minutes because I was working. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get to see all of it. But I watched from the point where Arsene Wenger said, fuck it. Let's make 10 changes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good because I sort of watched until that point. So between us, we can kind of cover the whole game. <laughs> Excellent. Well, what did you make of the first 70 minutes then? The first 70 minutes was all about, really, I think, the, the young players who, who started. They were really impressive, particularly Reese Nelson, who mm. started at right wing back. It was a back three, uh, which Arsene Wenger looks to, apparently he's going to switch it up in pre-season, but wants to start the season with that, which is good news. And uh, yeah, Reese Nelson, that's not his natural position. He normally plays in more advanced areas, but a bit like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain before him, really, he, he slotted in mm. very nicely there and had a real point to prove. But he wasn't the other one. There was uh, Joe, Joe Willock as well, was impressive yeah. in central midfield. And Cohen Brammel played on the left-hand side. So it was nice to get a look at them, really. I, I know it's all about the new signings in pre-season usually, but uh, it's important for the young players too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's more important for the young players, really, um, from the point of view that Arsene Wenger knows what his senior players can do, and thus preseason is about fitness, it's about conditioning, it's about getting them match ready and match sharp. But for the young players, it is a chance to play, you know, under his right under his nose in front of a big crowd. I mean, none of those guys will have played in front of eighty thousand people in a huge stadium before. I mean, that's a even mm. if it is preseason, it's something that you have to deal with. I thought it was quite interesting the way he talked about Reese Nelson and the confidence that he has. He said, you know, I'm long enough in the game of football to know that that's something you either have at the age of 17 or you don't have. Um, yeah. So they they seem to have quite high hopes for him. But of course, we've seen players really excel and stand out, young players stand out in preseason before. And I've got the jump then to actual first team football is is really significant but you know I think it's I think it's a great opportunity for those young players to come in and show what they can do uh, and show that they they should be in the managers thinking when it comes to things like the uh, maybe not the Europa League as much but certainly the EFL Cup or the League Cup whatever the fuck it's called what's it called now this season it's something bizarre isn't it it's like the, oh, the some... tic tac fucking oh, isn't it like a Thai drink like uh, I want to say it begins with k ka 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 that's not correct. That's not correct. It's the Cara, uh, Carabao Carabao Cup. Yes. What is? And I've Carabao? never drunk Carabao, and I'm not contractually obliged to say this, but lots of people keep telling me that it's delicious. Okay. The, the Carabao is a swamp type domestic water buffalo native to the Philippines. No, the, the buffalo's not delicious. I no. must be clear. The energy drink that shares the same name. Uh, it's basically. It means red buffalo, apparently. So I'm so it's guessing... basically the Thai Red Bull. Yeah, and those drinks are frankly disgusting. Yeah, but if you put some Jaeger in it or something, it's all right. No, 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 no. Evil, evil, evil. No, thank um, you. So Reese Nelson was great. He did play with real swagger. Uh, I'm trying to think of a comparison. Danny Alves. Let's have... <laughs> He's the new Danny Alves. Everyone's uh, got to be the new someone. Exactly, yeah. And um, I thought, do you know what I did think actually about both Willock and Nelson is that there was so much talk about Chris Willock leaving this summer. And in a way, those two players might benefit from that because Nelson's kind of a similar creative talent and Joe's literally Chris's younger brother. So these two might step out from his shadow a little bit and get a chance they might not necessarily have got. So yeah. 
That was interesting to see. And then Cohen Bramwell on the left-hand side, I thought he wasn't the most eye-catching, but acquitted himself very well. And when you consider how far he's come in six months, it is an absolutely incredible story, really. Yeah. Fair, I mean, fair play to him. It is... Uh... It is a massive leap, but again, we'll we'll have to wait and see what sort of opportunities he gets. Did you watch mm. uh, Kolasinac in any great yeah. detail? I tried to. I mean, he wasn't massively involved. I guess what was interesting was that he played at centre-half. He played on the left of a, a back three, which isn't necessarily the position I envisaged him filling next season. I, I, I guess when everyone's back, he'll be at left wing back. But mm. we've got a bit of slight centre-half shortage at the moment. I think Laurent Koscielny isn't quite fully fit yet, isn't quite ready to go. And then Chambers holding Gabrielle. Uh, I think there's a, a mon- Mustafi. Someone else. Mustafi, I yeah. don't think, are on tour. So he filled in there. What was nice, actually, was Arsenal playing with three big, burly centre-halves. It was mm. Mertesacker, uh, Kolasinac and Bielik. And they looked like absolute bruisers, to be honest, the three of them. So they weren't particularly tested, but uh, he looked comfortable enough. It, it wasn't a, an eye-catching game. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we had a, a late goal from Alexandra Lacazette. Um, yes. you know, the it, new Thierry Henry. Everyone's got yeah, to be someone new. Of course. Well, he's the new Thierry Henry and the new Ian Wright put together. So let's, right, yeah, let's, I forgot about that. let's make sure that we get that one right. Uh, you know, tidy finish. Uh, do you have any issue with people saying he scored on his debut, etc., etc.? Do you think that's... A, is that right? Because, I mean, it is... In some ways, his debut was not really his competitive debut, and that goal won't count, you know, for the goals that he scores. No, that's it. I mean, his real debut. I mean, so I would even dispute whether or not the Community Shield counts as his debut. His real debut for me is is the Leicester game, assuming he's he's fit and he starts. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, it's a nice story that in his first appearance in any kind of Arsenal shirt, he scored fifteen minutes in, and it was a a tidy finish. I think. You know, we also missed a penalty in the second half. Danny Welbeck took a, a very, very poor penalty. So I guess the usefulness of signing someone who's a decent spot kick taker was, was made clear as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, look, I, I think it's uh, it's good for him to get the goal for sure. And obviously having uh, arrived at the club while I was away for a, a club record fee, um, you know, anything that can boost his confidence going into the new season and help him settle in, I think, is very good. I thought it was quite telling the way they all, uh, you know, were quite keen to celebrate with him. Um, yeah, they looked really happy about it. I mean, I, you know, given that it is essentially an exhibition match, there's nothing riding on it at all. I, the whole sort of team ran over for him. I, I don't necessarily... Uh, read too much into these stories of Olivier Giroud not being happy. No, look, you know, I think Giroud is a a 30-year-old professional who knows that maybe his time at Arsenal is up, but also he realises it is a pre-season game and he's not going to go absolutely mental. I mean, Giroud will go mental and take in all the applause when he makes a cross for Aaron Ramsey to score in the FA Cup final. He's not short Mm. about going, look at me, look at me, look what I did. Um, But I don't think there's anything to be read into that whatsoever. He went over, he had a little, you know... uh, congratulatory pat on the back for him and everything else, but he's not going to lose his shit over over that kind of goal. I don't think there's any personal animus or, or anything like that. I mean, I know people want to read a lot into everything these days, but, you know. Let's not forget, he's not the quickest to live his route. It probably just took him a long time to get over there. He was doing it as fast as he could. Yeah, come on, guys. Give him a break. Give him a break. Um, so, yeah, look, a, a, a decent start to, to pre-season. Um... Uh, and, and I suppose 
as much as anything, it's a great opportunity for all the Australian fans to to see the team down there. There's eighty thousand people in that stadium, which is which is absolutely fabulous. And uh, I suppose it shows the level of support that Arsenal have down under. I mean, obviously, you know, f- through the podcast and through the blog and uh, everything else, we're well aware of how big Arsenal are uh, down under. But I guess for the team and for the players to go and see that is fantastic, and for the fans to be able to. Um, to be able to see uh, the team in the flesh for the first time in 40 years and obviously for the first time in a lifetime for many of them is great. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's great. And it seems like the club are doing a really decent job putting on fan events and, you know, trying to be as open and give as much access as possible, which is good. And I also think there's a benefit to the squad. As you say, they seem to be having a blast and they seem to be enjoying it. And, you know, I do think morale is important and camaraderie is important so uh, yeah it seems to be a, a positive experience all around yeah it'll be great I mean it's great and then Alexis will come back and ruin it all yeah of course we look forward to that <laughs> that's, all, that's all to come it's it's kind of like a weird um, it's kind of a pre-season unto itself isn't it the tour because it almost feels like not that much is going to happen. You know, Arsene Wenger's out there, Gazidis is out there, the likes of Giroud, whose future in doubt, is out there. So, you know, nothing. it feels like nothing seismic is really going to occur until they get back. So it's almost a little bit of respite from the kind of constant speculation. Yeah, so I mean, I assume that they're going to go straight from Australia to China. I guess that's the schedule. So it might be a case that... Uh, things don't happen until we get back from China in the week leading up to the uh, to the Emirates Cup. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's still there's still stuff to do. Is that a cat? That is a cat. I'm uh, dog and cat sitting at the moment. That's Orla, and she she's one of those very greedy cats who sort of bullies you into trying to feed her. She's right. quite old now, and she's basically learned that if you if she annoys you for long enough, you will have to feed her. Right. Um, but she appears to have gone away for okay. now. All right, now. we'll keep an ear out for a, a hungry cat in the background. Yeah. So there's a, another game in uh, Australia tomorrow against Western Sydney Wanderers, and then of course off to China to play Bayern Munich and Chelsea. Um, so that's Why all we to do come. That to I don't Why know. We do that? I don't know. Bayern <laughs> Munich of all people, it's like whatever about Chelsea. You can see that you know play a game in China. You want two big Premier League clubs to go at it, but like I would have thought, the last people we want to play in preseason are, are Bayern Munich, uh, given what happened against them. I mean, if we beat them. 10-2, that'd be, that'd be something, but I can't really see that happening, to be honest. Oh, my word. By the way, speaking of pre-season football, yeah. you didn't by any chance catch any of the tournament on Sky last night, the seniors tournament that's playing. I forget what it's called, the Star Sixes or something like that. I, I didn't, but I did see a clip of um, Puyol... That's what I was going to mention. Yeah, Carlos Puyol's <laughs> tackle on Phil Neville, the long-awaited revenge for Jose Antonio Reyes. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's you know a relatively low-key event. He's absolutely gone in for him. Boy, he, seeking he out. really has. Yeah, he goes over the ball, studs up above the knee. I think even, which I think is what saved him. It was above the knee rather than uh, below yeah. it. But you know, I mean, fuck, fuck that. Who cares, Phil Neville? You know, <laughs> I always remember that uh, match of the day. Was it match of the day or? Something like that. 
Arsenal had played an FA Cup game. It could have been against someone like Brighton. And Thomas Rosicki did a no-look pass assist or something like that. And, and we scored a goal Brighton. from it. Yeah. And and Phil Neville says, you know, if, if he'd done that, I would have two-footed him. So, you know, there you go, you fucking thick cunt. Have that. <laughs> I don't think Phil Neville... I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I don't think Phil Neville got tackled like that because he attempted a no-look pass. <laughs> Somehow I think that wasn't <laughs> what led to it. I mean, maybe Puyol's watched Phil Neville on television he can be infuriating at times. Mm. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I mean, apart from that, you must be pretty thrilled with the news about our new German additions to the, the backroom team. Yeah, yeah. Look, we've been a little bit guarded, haven't we, about the, the whole catalyst for change thing and everything else because we've heard the club talk a lot and we haven't seen them do a lot. But I have to say that uh, the Mertesacker appointment, I love. I love that, I have to say, mm. because he... he Players can be a bit mercenary, as we know, and we see them kiss the badge and we see them tap the shirt and all that kind of stuff. But but Mertesacker has always felt like someone who understands the club and understands the fans and understands the frustrations and everything else. And and we've talked a lot about how there hasn't really been any continuity, that perhaps when the, when the Invincibles era ended, there wasn't enough continuity between that and what came next, that we let too many of those players go too quickly. So we weren't able to pass on the things that those experienced players had to the next generation, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the idea of Mertesacker being in charge of the academy to be able to set some of the guidelines, to be able to instill some of the, the so-called values that we like to think Arsenal has, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I think it's a real forward-thinking appointment, isn't it? It's one that that might uh, speak to some strategy, a longer-term strategy being put in place that maybe Mertesacker is going to be head of the academy for you know a few years and perhaps is being earmarked right now as a potential candidate for manager, but you know making the transition slowly from uh, his playing career into an off-field career, into slightly admin work, understanding mm-hmm. what goes on behind the scenes and then perhaps transitioning in, into a manager I think it's I think it's absolutely great well it's sort of a similar kind of role to the one Manchester City initially gave Patrick Vieira and Arsenal yeah. kind of famously didn't and uh, it's good to keep people like that around the club I mean one thing I wanted to ask you about Mertzaka is I don't know if I'm the only one thinking this but do you think he might be retiring a, a little bit early I mean he's only 32 it seems in the modern era, that seems pretty young for a guy to be retiring, especially someone who's not at all reliant on their pace. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. But I guess he, better than anyone, knows his own body and what he's capable of physically and mm. in terms of his own performances, what he feels he's capable of. He strikes me as a guy who, if he felt that beyond a certain point he couldn't perform to the level that he wanted to perform at, that would be that would be it for him. He doesn't strike me as a guy who would drop down a level or two in order to, to keep playing, you know? Yeah. So I think that's probably his thinking. I think he obviously also has some ambitions to do more in the game than just become a player. So when an opportunity like this comes along, do you then say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to play, I don't know, for a mid table club or for a, a lower league club for a couple of seasons, just to keep playing and pass up that opportunity and hope it's still there. I think he's weighed up all those things and made a decision that one more year playing at the top level for Arsenal is enough for him. And then he can go and take on this second part of his career. Yeah, I always think the World Cup is probably a big factor in his thoughts as well. You know, I think when you've won the World Cup already in your career, you're probably 
it's from that point on, he's probably thinking, okay, what's next? Do you know what I mean? He's been yeah. right at the pinnacle. Uh, but I think it's brilliant. And there have been some personalities around the club who we haven't managed to keep a hold of. But Mertzaka, I mean, you think of Mikel Arteta, of course, going to Man City. I think that was maybe his choice more than ours. But to, to be able to keep Mertzaka on is superb. And uh, it does speak to... I'm not going to say direct succession planning for Arsene Wenger, but what we've wanted is people around the club who understand the values of Arsenal and who have more longevity than Arsene does. Yeah. Uh, and Mertzaka certainly fits into that category. Yeah, for sure. And look, he, every time you see him speak, you can see that he's a really smart, intelligent guy. He's hugely, hugely respected by by all the squad. I know mm. some people like, because he was absent last season, some people think that, you know, he's, he's got no influence or anything. He's a big, big dressing room influence. Somebody who, who a lot of the players look up to and respect. And I think that's important as well. You know, to have characters like that around is really, really important. So um, I think it's I think it's a great appointment. I think it's uh, it's something that the club should be applauded for. And obviously, we'll have to wait and see how it works out. The other German appointment was Jens Lehmann. Man, that that came out of the blue, didn't it? That was a, a bit of a shock. Yeah, I mean, I know you were away, but the way it broke was there was talk about him coming back to the club. Some people thought maybe as a goalkeeping coach yeah. initially because there'd been talk about changes on on that side of things. Uh, and then it was announced that he's joining as a first-team coach. So I guess working alongside uh, Neil Banfield and Borough Prima, actually, with Steve Bolds, directly with the first team in yeah. a, a varied role. I mean, it's pretty fantastic for me. I mean, Lehman is someone who, he's just a winner, isn't he? He's just a really outstanding professional. And, I mean, a little bit scary, which yeah. is no bad thing. I just think a fantastic character to have back at the club. Could not agree with that more. Uh, there is perhaps uh, a need to introduce something a little bit different in terms of the the characters of the coaches. Mm. Uh, they may all be fine coaches and we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But, you know, there's an element. Steve Bold appears a very quiet guy. Mm. And we know from his playing career that Steve, Noel, or Steve Bold is fucking hard as nuts, really. But... What's his influence? You know, on the bench, he's a quiet kind of a guy. Jens Lehmann is the kind of character who will who will kick up if need be. Arsene Wenger knows that as well. So I think that's really interesting because Arsene Wenger knows fine well what kind of character Jens Lehmann has. The fact that yeah. he's 45 now or whatever he is, is not going to change fundamentally who he is. He might be a bit more mature. He might approach things a little bit differently because he is a coach. But... When it comes right down to it, he's got that winning personality. He hates to lose. He hates anything less than 100%. He hates anything less, or players who give less than 100%. There's Stories. some fantastic anecdotes. Is it in the, are they in the Ask Blog book about the Invincibles, about Lehman? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Together, the uh, the story of Arsenal's unbeaten season, which you can get on uh, Amazon still as an ebook and iTunes as an ebook. But yeah, I mean, it's Danny Carbassian talking about how uh, he come into the 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 gym first thing in the morning, and Layman was already there, and he was doing little exercises with his fingers. Yeah. And that's the, the, the level of dedication that he has and the level of winning that he has. He, he, he challenged Danny to, to score some goals past him for 50 quid a go. And Danny kept scoring, kept scoring. It was always double or quits, double or quits. And he was about two grand up. And the minute Yen saved one, it was like, right, that's it. That's it, you know. Um, so he, th- there are stories, people will tell you stories of stuff that went on in training that like he was absolutely full on 100% all of the time perhaps when he might have been a little more cautious 
that there were times when first-team players at Arsenal were on the brink of being put out <laughs> through injury because of challenges that Lehman would make on them. Yeah. Whether that, whether that's sensible or not, that's another question. But that is the kind of character that he is. And if he's on that training ground, and if he perceives things not to be uh, professional, you can be quite sure that he'll he'll have his say on that. So I think that's a very a really really interesting appointment. Um, and what 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 kind of influence? I think he said he was going to be more in the stands than on the training pitch, wasn't that it? I think that was one of the quotes that he made, but. Uh, you you can't say that Arsene Wenger has appointed a yes man or a meek character when it comes to Jens Lehmann. No, I mean, you know, if Arsenal has been accused of being a crash in the past, it's a bit like kindergarten cop now dropping Schwarzenegger into it, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) I I do think he'll have a, a big impact as long as he's allowed to, I guess. I mean, what do you make of the appointment? Do you think that this will have had to have come from Arsene, been his initiative? It's a really interesting one, isn't it? Working out exactly what the machinations are behind Lehman arriving at the club. Yeah. I mean, we don't know ultimately, but any appointment to Arsene Wenger's first team squad or first team coaching setup will have had to be sanctioned by him. Mm. I think so. I, I don't. I don't see it any other way. I mean, we we saw his opposition to a director of football, but what he did say was, "I'm open to things that can help us." Yeah. So if he feels that Jens Lehmann can come in and help this uh, squad, or help him, or help the other coaches, then ultimately that's a decision that he will have had to green light. I think. Um, I don't know how how much pressure would have been put on him to make an appointment, whether it's a case that, okay, you've got to appoint someone, who's it going to be? I don't know, but I think it's interesting that he's gone back for an ex-player, that he's he's really brought in somebody that he knows. He hasn't brought in a coach from another club, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there was talk of a new goalkeeping coach being spotted at the training ground as well. So... Yeah, I understand that guy. I forget his name, but I understand he's been around for about six months or so. He right. came from Reading um, and he's been filling in while another coach was injured, I think, uh, or unavailable in some way. But, but you know, it is another new voice on the training pitch relatively. And I, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's it's a bit of a crowd pleaser, but I also, it's it's that perfect storm of being something that's going to make the fans happy, seeing a former player back and a big Arsenal personality. Yeah. But it also has a practical, logical impact on the team too. For sure, for sure. So look, things are, things are happening. Not everything that has to happen has happened, but things are happening. You know, we've brought in uh, a couple of players. We have um, brought in a couple of coaches or made some... Uh, changes in that regard. So it does appear that things are, are happening. Obviously, there's a, a, a bit to do yet, and we might get to some of that in the questions. But I'm sure we will. There's plenty of questions about that. I mean, are, are you feeling, dare you feel a little optimistic? Having, or is, Do you think the holiday effect will have you feeling pretty good about our summer so far? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, there's something to be said from stepping back from mm. everything that's going on. You know, because you can get too wound up. Like if you're checking Twitter every 20 minutes looking for a new signing or news now or checking Arsblog News to see as everybody, you know, I think you can get a little bit too, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? A little bit too invested in everything that's going on. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me, but. That's all right. You know, if you step back from things a bit, it does give you a, a little bit of perspective. So, yeah, I'm feeling a bit more optimistic. Um, uh, I, I still think there's plenty to do in terms of the playing side of things. There are a lot of issues still outstanding. Uh, Again, Mm -hmm. I think we'll come to these 
in the questions, but to, to be honest, more happened while I was away than I was expecting to happen. So from that point of view, yeah, I feel, I feel pretty happy about what we've done and a little bit encouraged for sure. Yeah, I think I think you're you're right to feel that way. I feel that way, but I think it's kind of the halfway point in some respects of our summer. Uh, I think there's still a, a lot of work to do, and probably it's going to be conducted in a in in August. Really, I think I think it might slow down a little bit now while we're away, and then it's all going to accelerate rapidly towards transfer deadline day. So, yeah. An interesting time, but so far, so good. All right. Anything else uh, that's caught your eye in this preseason before we take a break, or shall we go to questions? Uh, not really. Only that I, I, I just wanted to touch briefly on, did you see the story about Jose Mourinho and Alexandra Lacazette? Something about it, but not really. I saw some people retweeting, <laughs> just, but I didn't pay attention. I was away. Go on. Basically, they, they bought Lukaku, and then the next day there was a, a story in a couple of papers from a Manchester United source explaining all the reasons why they didn't sign Alexandra Lacazette and I just thought it was absolute nonsense to be honest it, it, it read I mean it was so non-specific that I just thought this may A this may not be true and if it is true it, you could explain why you don't sign any player it was a bizarre uh, sort of way to attack another club but I guess that's what Jose Mourinho sides do, don't mm. they? They find ways to wind people up. Yeah. Was it Duncan Castles by any chance? Or? It may well have been, actually. I don't remember, <laughs> but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. No. Look- I enjoyed, actually, Duncan Castles said back in January or something, United would never sign Lukaku. He's not a United player. And, uh, and, and there you go. Yeah, and they did. Wow. So they did. Um, but no, I mean, not much really. I'm looking forward to watching the game tomorrow. I'm, pro- I'm actually going to watch this one. I, I think I'm going to tune in and see how they get on. Are we playing, is it another Sydney team? Western yes. Sydney Wanderers. Right. They're, okay. from, they're from Western Sydney, I believe. Okay. Which is As in Sydney. Sydney FC. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I might watch that too, depending on the time. You never know. Yeah. You never Why know. Why not? All right. Not? Okay. Well, look, we're, we'll take a break here. And we will come back with your questions and more in part two. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter uh, at GunnerBlog and at Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog, uh, on which Manu says, I have a really good question, but you never read the Facebook ones, so we'll use one of my shitty questions. Based on what we saw yesterday, where should we try and reinforce the team further, and who should definitely go? I'd love to answer that for you, but we do read the Facebook ones, and you have blown your chance there, mate. Sorry about that. <laughs> so I'm going to go to this one from West Stantone, who says, if Kyle Wanker. Oh, oh, Kyle. Oh, yeah, Kyle. Wa- Sorry, I thought it said Kyle Walker, but it does actually say Kyle Wanker. If Kyle <laughs> Wanker is worth fifty million pounds, how much of a bargain was Rob Holding? Very good point. I mean, Arsene Wenger famously said, "I'm sorry." Rob Holding uh, didn't cost 50 million. I think we're all sorry that Kyle Walker does cost 50 million. Not sure what that says about football now. I think this is really the summer where transfers have gone properly insane, isn't it? And we're talking about 50 million for Gilfie Sigurdsson and Kyle Walker. Uh, yeah, that is absolutely and utterly, completely, unbelievably, indubitably, unquestionably insane. I mean, fucking hell. 50 million pounds. You can understand that transfer fees get inflated, uh, particularly in the cash-rich Premier League. But when you're having to pay £50 million for Gilfie Sigurdsson, a a good player, by the way, I think he's a good player, but Mm. not a £50 million player, um, unless that's what the market dictates, I guess. But Kyle Walker and Gilfie's... Kyle, £50 million for Kyle Walker. I mean, fucking hell. Spurs might get another £50 for Eric Dyer, if some reports are to be believed, Manchester United. So, I mean, you know, Daniel Levy, you know... God loathe him, but he's a he's a hell of a negotiator. I don't think that's just. I don't think it's down to Daniel Levy, though, is it? It's to do no, with not the, this time. Not it's this to do time. with the market just being absolutely, absolutely crazy. I mean, people were questioning fifty million pounds for Lacazette, but at least you're getting a twenty-six-year-old with a proven goal-scoring track record. Whether he makes the jump to to be able to do that in the Premier League is another question. But you know, Sigurdsson, decent player, Walker. You know, he's he's very fast and very strong. But fuck me, if that's what £50 million gets you today, it's no wonder anything half-decent is costing even more than that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think the Lacazette deal, well, we'll see how it gets on, but I think it might come to look like pretty good value when you look at what some of the strikers out there are going for. And I think that fees might get even higher as this window wears on because time will run out and selling clubs will be in stronger positions. And I, I think that... 
I think we'll see some absolutely mental money spent in the final couple of months of this window. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to, to see what happens. Um, yeah. It's hard to get your head around those kind of figures. You have to ask yourself, does it even matter anymore? Dude, what's the point well, of worrying really, no. about transfer fees? Because if that's what it is, that's what it is. And that's what you... I mean, you can't now really... I mean, I know we had this in, in the past before with Arsenal and we would say, well, that that guy's not worth that amount of money. But now you, you've got no real marker for what anybody is worth. They're just so fluid. They don't make any sense. So if a club wants X for a player and you want the player, then just pay it, I guess. Yeah. Can you have any can you have a principal stand in the transfer market anymore? Because if you do, what do you get? Well, you get nothing. Mm. <laughs> you get nothing. And and I think every Premier League club can afford to pay these exorbitant fees at the moment because of the TV money. I mean, actually, the outgoings in terms of transfers it's not really hurting them. I know that sounds bizarre because hundreds of millions of pounds are being spent, but they can get away with it. They can pretty much afford it. Mm. So I, I don't know. I mean, t- someone asked me the other day if I think f- there'll be a football collapse, you know, like in a kind of... Uh, uh, like a bubble, like the property bubble. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Because it's, it seems to be reaching such an absurd level, but it keeps managing to self-sustain. I mean, I think Arsene Wenger has said a couple of times he anticipates or has anticipated that collapse coming, and yet it doesn't. It, it carries on growing. Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's something that I've written about on the blog before and I feel like it's something that might actually happen I, really? I, re- I really think it do- it could happen um, simply from the point of view that you can only squeeze I don't want to call football fans customers but they are in many ways because you know you pay your money to the TV companies you pay your money to your football club for either your season ticket or your membership or whatever it might be Um that, you know, you saw Sky, for example, have rebranded all their sports channels. This is, I think, an effort to make uh, subscriptions easier for people. You know, if you subscribe to Sky Sports and you don't want rugby and you don't want cricket and you don't want tennis or or golf or whatever it is, you still have to pay for those things. Whereas if you just want football, then at least now you can just pay for football. And I think that's in relation to the fact that subscriptions have, have dried up. They've started slowing down because people, of course, are looking uh, at football in different ways. They're streaming on their phones, they're streaming on their tablets, they're streaming on their computers and laptops and everything else, and not all those streams are legal. And it really does feel to me like at some point football will hit a point where there is, there's there's just not enough money or not enough return on that money that these TV companies are putting in. The yeah, transfer no. fees will get, you know, just so inflated that they don't make any sense anymore. That the the issue as well is that when transfer fees go up, so do wages. That players players want bigger wages. Like all, all of a sudden, if Kyle Walker is a fifty million pound player, he wants fifty million pound wages. What's that? You know, it, so it will. It's almost as if football is eating itself before our very eyes. Whether maybe it'll sustain, maybe it'll keep going forever and ever and ever, and prices will keep going up and up and up and up, and wages will keep going up and up and up. But there has to be a ceiling somewhere. There has to be. What comes up must come down. I, I, yeah. I guess so. It doesn't feel like it's particularly imminent, but it's an no. interesting point you make about the TV companies. I mean, it ties in something I think we've talked about before. I think Ken Early wrote a brilliant piece about this about how people are literally watching the game live less in many respects. You know, it's it's being digested in different ways. Yeah. Um, 
And while the clubs as brands have as much power or more power than they ever have, the actual 90 minutes is less kind of sacred than it's ever been. Um, so, yeah, that will affect, I guess, the amount of money that TV companies are prepared to spend. Mm. But not this summer, that's for sure. No, that is for sure. All right, let's have another question. Uh, let's have another question. I mean, I guess it ties into these kind of crazy transfer fees we're seeing going around. Uh, this one comes from KB, who's at, at MFWB17 on Twitter. And they ask, is our lack of outgoings due to low interest in our dead wood? And will it result in a lot of cut price, deadline day, sales and loans? Probably. Probably. Um, that's, the, that's the thing, isn't it? As much as there are these big fees being paid for prize players... Guys on big salaries who aren't particularly valued, you cannot shift. Yeah, that's exactly it. It is It is quite difficult. I mean, I think we've got, you know, our deadwood, so to speak, is not is not the worst. I don't, you know, think some of the players are, are right for us and have obviously contributed to seasons where we haven't achieved as much as we would like. But you can still look at them and say, you know, Matthew Debushi could do a job for somebody for a couple of seasons. Kieran Gibbs is only 27. He could definitely do a good job for a mid-level Premier League team for a few seasons. Jenkinson could find a club fairly easily. You know, some of these players... Um, aren't they're not uh, completely devoid of value. They're not worth big fees, I don't think, but mm. I do wonder if in some ways the fact that people continue to associate the price paid with the value of the player has an impact on that. In some ways, people's willingness or clubs' willingness to do deals. That if they're not seen to bring in a £25 million player, then fans aren't going to be happy. So I wonder if that's playing a part, but it does feel to me like, particularly with players that you want to get rid of, you know, when when clubs know that you don't want a player anymore, they're not going to come in in June and say, give us give us that player, we need him for 25 million. They'll wait until you are, in some ways, desperate to get rid of him and get rid of him off the wage bill. So I think we will have to be prepared to pay lower fees or accept lower fees than we might have to get rid of players that we don't really want because everyone knows we don't want those players. That's it. And I think in a lot of cases, these players are leaving in 12 months anyway. And if the fee's not going to be that high, I think Arsenal's attitude might be, well, you know, that, that's fine. We just kind of need to shift their salary, you know, because mm. if we want to tie anyone down to a new contract, uh, we probably need to make room for it, you know? Yeah. So, but there are plenty of cases. I mean, I had another question here. I know I'm going sort of two for two here, but uh, Rian Vatcher on Twitter said, what do you make of the players not taken on tour? Chesney, Wilshire, Debussy, et cetera, all set to depart. Do you think anyone left at home, that's it for them, really? Maybe Wilshire because he's still recovering from injury. I think that's the issue with him. True. But yeah, the others, is it an indication? Left? That- Chesney, Debussy, Jenkinson, Gibbs. Gibbs. Um yeah, that's Joel Campbell ones. was away, of course, with the uh, Costa Rican national team, and he's done himself uh, an injury. He's got a, a meniscus injury, which could um, rule him out for up to six months, they say. So that, that means that he's going to be an Arsenal player next season. He won't be playing, but he will uh, he will be somebody that we can't get rid of, mm-hmm. because of because of that injury. But yeah, I, I guess it does speak to a decision to move them on, therefore not include them in the tour because they're not going to be involved next season. Certainly Chesney appears to be um, on the outs, Gibbs to Debussy and Jenkinson, as we know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a matter, a matter of trying to find 
trying to find buyers. I mean, on that Ben Downey, at Ben underscore Downey, says, should we worry about the lack of action when it comes to outgoing players? But also, how will we handle the homegrown quota if too many leave? Because Jenkinson, uh, Chesney, Wilshire, Gibbs all contribute to that uh, homegrown quota. And I think we're sailing pretty close to the wind in terms of the minimum requirements. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I'm I'm looking at the squad now and thinking... I mean, I guess that's good news if you're Callum Chambers, maybe, because he's a, a British player that, you know, that would suggest he might be part of the squad next season. Uh, who else have you got there? You've got your Rob Holdings, uh, your Ramseys. Just trying to think, really. Danny Welbeck, I suppose. Oxlade-Chamberlain. Oxlade-Chamberlain's an interesting one, isn't he? Because mm. there's still still doubts over him. Yeah. I mean, we do need to slim this squad down pretty dramatically. Uh I mean, I don't think it's an exaggeration. I mean, actually, I was about to exaggerate. I was going to say, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say 10 players could go. Maybe that is an exaggeration, but it feels like there are plenty, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And there are obviously still players who we're not sure about whether they're going to go or not, but we want to keep them. Alexis, Mesut Ozil, Alex Huxley-Chamberlain. I mean, there's stuff going around about Oxlade-Chamberlain having no intention of signing a new deal. He's de- he definitely wants to play as a central midfield player. Um, I mean, I have a question here from... Bom, here it is. Uh, it's uh, another guy, another Ben. We've had a couple of Bens. But this is <laughs> at Bum Sniffer Ben. So that's an yeah. easy way to separate him from the other Bens that we've... That's a memorable <laughs> one, to be fair, yeah. Um, he all says, Bens are bum sniffers, I think, to be fair. Do you think? All okay, bands. well, yeah. there you go. I, I would say not all Bens, just to uh, <laughs> just to try and keep our, our, our Ben audience happy. Um, Come at me, Bens, I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wants to know, how fatal would it be if we do not sign a central midfield player? Do you know what? It's, it's odd. I don't think it's been that spoken about. I feel like all the fans are talking about it. I feel like every time I go on Twitter, everyone's crying out for a central midfield player, but there haven't been a ton of rumours. Um, what about Lamar? I know he he, yeah, he, he I, plays a bit wide, but could 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 Lamar perhaps be seen uh, by Arsene Wenger as somebody that he could mould into that kind of Santi Cazorla type player? There's talk of that. There's talk of that. In my mind... Lamar was a kind of more attacking player. I envisaged him, if he was coming in, coming in for one of those kind of two roles behind the striker. Um, But then it was pointed out by Matt Spiro and a few other people that where he plays for Monaco, it's the left-hand side of a 4-4-2, which is a a more withdrawn role. It is a a deeper role. And Mm. actually, it's a role that Jack Wilshire played early in his career when he went on loan to Bolton he played predominantly on the left hand side of a 4-4-2 and I remember him playing there for Arsenal as well so maybe that is Arsene Wenger's plan I I'm not sure I don't know I, I yeah. frankly I don't know I haven't seen enough of Lamar to be able to say with confidence if you could play him in that midfield too alongside a Shaka say yeah. but I do think we need someone in that area of the park so much of it hinges on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain for me because I think if he stays at Arsenal and signs a new contract, Arsene Wenger has to... See, it sounds like he has to offer him some games in that position. So yeah. with Shaka, Ramsey, Oxlade-Chamberlain and then sort of Elneny and Coquelin potentially behind that, I think that might be a lot. If Oxlade-Chamberlain goes it becomes quite urgent that we get someone there. Yeah, yeah. I think I tend to agree with Tim Stillman in the sense that if Lamar is coming in and there there are, there are a lot of very strong suggestions that the deal is, is pretty close to being done, that it is in some ways to have him maybe as a replacement for Alexis Sanchez. 
mm. to play him in Certainly one of those positions. in terms of position, it yeah. would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Either the left-hand side in a 4-3-3 or in a 3-4-2-1, that's slightly with inside forward role. Um, yeah, it would make a hell of a lot of sense. Um, and, it, you know, I guess sort of Lamar and Lacazette as a replacement for Alexis you can kind of understand the logic. It's a creative player and a goal scorer, which is kind of what Alexis gives you in one. Yeah. But but finding that is close to impossible. I mean, before you went away, you were very confident that the club would, would want to keep Alexis. Do you, do you still feel that way? Or not want to, but that they would force it through and do it, you know? Um, I'm still confident that they won't sell him to Manchester City. I'm just mm. not sure what they can do with him if there's nobody else in the market. Um, I think hmm. the Mesut Ozil situation makes it interesting. I mean, I've got a question here. This is from uh, Mikolai Dusinis. Oh, I had a real good go at that as well. Mikolai Dusinski, who's at Misiak86 on Twitter. Uh, and they asked, what's your take on Ozil's words about staying? Is he genuinely happy here and would like to get a new deal or just good p- PR words for fans? A, yeah, good question. It's so hard to know, isn't it? Um, mm. He's quite PR savvy, Ozil, isn't he? he? He does usually say kind of the right thing, I think. Yeah, and uh, I think I think the other thing about that is that the interview was with the official website, wasn't it? So he's not going to say anything controversial or anything other than what people want to hear in an interview like that. I, I think he genuinely would want to stay or does want to stay. I don't think it's a... I don't think his situation is quite the same as Alexis Sanchez. I think if the right terms are on offer, then I think he he would be willing to stay and sign a new deal. I'd be more confident about Ozil signing a new deal than I would about Alexis Sanchez. Um, But do you think that Ozil... See, the way I kind of feel about it is that Ozil's saying, look, I think I want to stay. I would quite like to sign a new deal. I think in a weird way, it kind of places more emphasis on... more delicacy on the Sanchez situation because Ozil can drag out those contract talks and potentially not sign anything until the transfer window goes. I mean, it could all be a stalling tactic, you know, with his intention mm-hmm. to be to be to leave on a free in twelve months' time. Of course, and I, I, I suppose can the club really let both players go for nothing? Can they run that risk? Um, they can. They can. I mean, ask yourself, what would you prefer? Would you prefer for Arsenal to sell Ozil and Sanchez now and replace them with, I don't know, who we, who we would replace them with, or at least keep them to give ourselves a better chance of winning something next season? I don't know. It's it's so difficult to know. I mean, there's so much brinksmanship and so much negotiation that goes on. Certainly Ozil's comments have, have thrown the ball back into the court of the club and he can always say, look, I've said, I've been consistent. I've always said I wanted to stay, but unfortunately we couldn't find an agreement which makes it look like it's the club more than the player. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I don't, I just don't know. But I think his situation like Sanchez, like Oxlade-Chamberlain, it's not that they, it's not that they're, 
going to cause huge upset. But I think if we got more clarity over those, it might give us a better idea of, of what way we're placed going into the new season. Because if we go into the new season and no agreement has been found with them, then they become sagas. They become distractions. The minute Ozil has a bad game, it's because he wants to leave, because he's running his contract down. The same thing with Oxide chamberlain the same thing with Alexis. The questions, particularly when you get to January, are they going to sign? Are they going to go elsewhere? You know, I think there has to be a concerted effort to get clarity on those situations before the season begins. Yeah, I mean, imagine Mesut Ozil jumps out of a tackle in January and he still hasn't signed a new contract. It's very easy to (laughs) imagine how that will be interpreted. I I mean, I don't know if it's... With Oxlade-Chamberlain, for me, it's more clear-cut. Like, for me, if he doesn't want to sign a new deal, you've got to sell him. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I don't see the value. It's not like Alexis or Ozil sure, where sure. there's so much symbolic value attached to them. I just think if he doesn't want to stay, he's got to go mm. um, and be replaced. The others two are more complex. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I liked this question, actually. This just came in a while ago last week from uh, Matthew Howarth, who's at Flat World Edge. It's quite long, but he was talking about the economics of the Sanchez situation. And he said buying Sanchez was about 32 million plus about 8.9 million a year in wages, which is a total of 68 million over four years. He now wants 400k a week, which is a total of 83 million over four years. Um, In today's market, buying a new Sanchez at 75 to 83 million would be decent value. And then having bought them, Let's say you got away with just paying them his current wage. That's an extra thirty-four million on top. So renewing him at four hundred thousand pounds a week looks solid value at the moment, given that you avoid the transfer fees. Is it just the impact on our wage structure that stands in the way? It feels like clubs don't view the opportunity cost of transfer fees as a valid part of these calculations. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's a really good point. Uh, and I do wonder if the four, Alexis wanting 400 grand a week thing is accurate, you know? Uh, yeah, that seems, I'll be honest, that does seem very high. It seems uh, like a, a a story that, I'm not saying it's been made up by a newspaper or something, but it's the kind of story that, that tends to go around during contract negotiations. Maybe it comes from one side to, to colour the opinion of, uh, fans towards a player because the minute that story came out and I did see it uh, on on holidays there were a lot of people going oh he's a greedy cunt he's this he's that the other and you know that's the, the natural reaction the economics of it is a different thing entirely if you sell Alexis you have got to go out and spend uh, to uh, to uh, to replace him but maybe if you sell Alexis Sanchez for let's say you get 50 million for him Mm. Um, depending on who you sell him to. Uh, and then you bring in Lamar to replace him for $45 million, and you don't have to pay Lamar quite as much as you might have paid Alexis Sanchez. I guess the wages would be more or less the same. You know, you, you're, you're not necessarily repla- replacing like for like initially, but you are replacing the economic cost of that um, in a way that isn't damaging to you, you know? Uh, it may not cost you more to replace Alexis Sanchez, but of course it's, it's, it's finding a player who can give you what Alexis gives you on the pitch. That's, that's the other question. So, I don't and, know. And I do th- yeah, I don't know. I do think that the, I mean, I don't know. We don't know about this 400 grand a week figure, but I do think there is a problem when you put, a player on that it does elevate the wages of the rest of the squad naturally I mean Arsenal have made the mistake in the past of having a kind of 
it's almost like a, an equal opportunities wage structure where uh, everyone was kind of on a similar sit in a similar bracket. I think for yeah. some players you do have to make exceptions, but if he was on that, you could bet Mesut Ozil would want that. You could bet Alexandre Lacazette would be a bit annoyed that he signed his contract a few months earlier for mm. whatever he's getting paid. So it's a very, very complex one. And I don't, when are we going to get some clarity? Do you think when Alexis comes back to training? Maybe, maybe. I mean, that would seem like a good time. Obviously, he'll be back and his agent could be involved as well. I, I guess when the, the tour of China finishes, I think we, we really need to push for some clarity in, in, in all three of those situations, as well as Jack Wilshire. I think that's another situation which is slightly more on the back burner, but one that a decision needs to be made on. It seems that they made a decision with Wojciech Szczesny, which I think is a bit of a shame, but there you go. That's the decision they've made. It looks like he's going to go. Um, we have to deal with these situations. When you get to one year left on your contract, there's got to be some clarity one way or the other. Um if the player's intention is just to stay and see out their contract, we saw before with, with Sylvain Wiltord that he spent most of the second half of his final season with Arsenal injured. And I, I say injured in inverted commas because he really wasn't. It's just that Arsene Wenger felt that a player's commitment to the club is not 100% when they're looking to leave. Um, I remember it well, yeah. Both he and Carnu, I think, made it pretty clear in January they were going to go at the end of the season and, mm. and they barely figured, basically, for the rest of the campaign. That is exactly it. So we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see there. OK, this one comes from John Stuart Hendry, who's uh, Reve- oh, Revangel Sanchez? Revangel okay. Sanchez, yes. He wants to know, what is James's reaction to the fact that I watch his vlogs or his vlogs while on the toilet or in the bath? Basically, always naked. <laughs> Um, I think that's pretty much what they deserve, to be honest. <laughs> I think that's entirely appropriate. Yeah, I to be uh, you'll notice in it as well. You only ever see me from the waist up, but from the waist down, I'm also completely naked. So we've got that in common. <laughs> Brilliant. Ben Fawcett, by the way, wants to know: Ars blog, are you aware that Gunnar Blog is seeing other bloggers, and how does this affect your relationship? Sorry to tell you this, but I think it's better that you know. What is this? Oh, I don't know. What I don't is? Know. I don't actually know. I don't know what he's referring to. Um, I don't know. Is he referring to? I have no idea. I, I, I promise, I'm not just you know fudging this because you've caught me out. I don't know what he means. Could it be uh, your? Um, could it be your articles on Bleacher Report or something yes, like that? Yes, I, yeah, I've been interviewing up, you know, getting Q and As with a few people on there. Um, but I'm I'm only not talking to you so to save all the juicy goodness for the podcast. <laughs> podcast comes first, of course, of course. Uh, would you like a question? Yeah, why not? I said awkwardly, moving on, so you don't find about my affair. You're the liaisons <laughs> with, the, with all the with other Yankee bloggers. Gunner. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so James Powell says, do you think it's coincidental that two Germans have been appointed as academy director and first team coach respectively? Or is it with one eye to how dominant Germany are potentially set to become in world football and how much talent the country currently produces? I think it is maybe a little bit coincidental because... Um, they've obviously earmarked Lehman as somebody who can come in and do a job as a first-team coach and and seen Mertesacker as somebody who who can do a job at, at the academy. But I don't think it's any coincidence that the players themselves are intelligent and are good thinkers about the game 
I think that's, uh, I don't know if I can say that that's a trait that's shared by a lot of German players, because there must be some really stupid German players as well. Same way there's stupid English players and, and everything else. I think it's just, a, maybe it is a happy coincidence that two players who have been a part of Arsenal separately uh, down the years have, have come back. But uh, there has been a bit of a German influence at Arsenal in recent years, hasn't there? I mean, it, it felt for a time like Arsene Wenger was kind of focusing, well, I, I guess he still is with Xhaka and Kolasinac. Mm. There has been a bit of a recruitment drive from the Bundesliga, hasn't there, over the last five, seven years or so? Yeah. Yeah, there has been, I guess. Um, uh, I think it probably is coincidence, but I think with Mertesacker, uh, if he does have links back in Germany, that that isn't the worst thing necessarily because their academies do seem to be pretty shit hot and their youth sides too. So if that helps us nick any young, talented players, so be mm. it. Okay, uh, Boris Zlatopolsky wants to know, I'm old and my actual Sunday league performance is far below what I used to be capable of. When is the right time to throw in the towel? It's career advice here, James. How old is he, though? I don't know. He says old. So... I mean, Mertesack is 32 and he's already decided to retire, so I fear for this guy. Yeah. Um, I think, it, how do you know when it's time to quit? When's the, there needs to be a crystalline moment, doesn't there? I guess when when you, A, can't do the very basics and B, you don't enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it anymore, then why would you why would you keep doing it? Um, That's it. You, know. you can always go and play in the seniors with Carlos Puyol and Phil Neville. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can, yeah, you can move and you can two-foot Phil Neville. How about that? That's the next step to your career, just two-foot Phil Neville. I always remember Gary Neville saying there was a, sort of one match because he retired mid-season, didn't he? He had, yeah. he had one performance, I think, against West Brom. I can't remember who gave him the runaround. It was somebody like Jerome Thomas or something like that. And he was like, I, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Yeah, I'm fucked. And I, 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 I do admire that, really. A player who just re- recognises, no, that's it. Time's up. Time's um, up. So yeah. if you've got that level of self-awareness, maybe it's time to step aside. Take up a, a, a coaching role. Exactly. Something in the academy. Yeah, Exactly. But, you know, play as long as you can. That's my theory on it. Play as long as you can. Because I missed, like, lots of football in my 20s because I was, you know, going out to nightclubs and stuff like that on a Saturday night. And, you know, it doesn't lend itself to Sunday morning football when you've been up all night. So I miss a lot of football, but um, I still play. Still play five a side, still play 11 a side. Um and I'll play for as long as I can, as long as I can stay fit. I mean, fitness is an issue as well. You know, when you get when you get to 45, you can have uh, certain fitness issues that take a little while longer to heal than they might. But, you know, fingers crossed, I haven't had anything too serious. So just play as long as you like. Play as long as you enjoy it. Play as long as you can. That's uh, that's the way I put it. Or play as long as, um, until somebody says, look, uh, you know, you, you don't come don't come up next Sunday for, for the game. Don't bother coming to training. You know, maybe get to the point where you spare yourself that difficult conversation with someone else. Speaking of playing as long as you can, <clears throat> I saw a news story yesterday from Southampton FC saying Southampton FC are pleased to announce experienced keeper Stuart Taylor has signed a new one-year deal with the club. I didn't even know Stuart Taylor played for Southampton. I didn't even know Stuart Taylor played. Which, no. in fact, he doesn't really, because he doesn't, really. he doesn't. I did enjoy the Southampton, the way they announced that uh, that contract extension, though. Did you see the video? 
Oh, is that what that video is? I haven't watched it. Plenty of people have sent it to me saying, you guys will love this. Yeah, basically uh, they've, they're taking the absolute piss out of these uh, movie trailer video <laughs> announcements of players being signed by clubs. You know, these, I mean, most of them are just fucking terrible. So they're t- just taking the piss out of it. It's really well worth a watch, actually. So fair play. Fair play. Oh, that is great. I do like that. And good to see Stuart Taylor going. A two-time F- uh, FA Cup winner, two-time Premier League winner. What a bizarre, <laughs> bizarre career. I can't understand his career at all, because if you want to be a footballer, surely you want to play. I mean, S- Stuart Taylor could undoubtedly have made a decent career at a lower-level club and played week in, week out. Maybe he wouldn't have earned as much money as he has but you know surely if you're a footballer you, you, you want to play maybe he just really likes training he loves training oh there's oh, the, the cat back. hello you're right yeah I mean maybe he does like training or maybe he just likes earning a, a really a lot of money to not do particularly much I don't know I don't know I went to uh, whoscored.com to have a look at Stuart Taylor's uh, career and it just says there are no results to display <laughs> <laughs> And now, as far as I'm aware, he hasn't played a league game for Southampton. He joined them a year ago. Just an astonishingly bizarre few years it's been. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, each to their own, I guess. Mm. I'm sure he's done very nicely out of the whole thing. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. Um, Lewis Wicket Padgham says, uh, The Arscast opening theme, I'm sure you've pinched a foreign commentator, but my brother is convinced it's one of us. It's not. It's neither of us. Sorry. You know the Arscast opening theme, the commentary, the oh, Spanish commentary. Yeah. No, that's not me. I must, despite my myriad of accents, that's not me, and it's not you. I would like a paella, please. <laughs> no, see, see, <laughs> uh, it's neither of us. No, it, it is. Who is it? Can you reveal who it is? No, I've got no idea. I just uh, sometimes when I download the games um, after the fact. Completely legally, of course. Of course, the legal downloads, yeah. Certainly, I legally download them through file sharing websites, etc., etc. That's just your way of trying to bring down the crazy money of the Premier League. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's a part of the revolution, James. Uh, The the Spanish commentator, I'm sure perhaps one of our Spanish uh, listeners or Spanish dwelling listeners could tell me who it is. I've got no idea. I've got no idea who's. I remember somebody t- saying to me once, "Why do you use that guy on your commentary, uh, on your themes?" And I go, "Well, it's just. I think he sounds quite good." And they're going, "Oh, he's a bit of a dick, actually. That guy. He oh, could. Really? Yeah, he's viewed in Spain perhaps as a bit of an Egypt. I don't know what level of Egypt he's at. Is he Clive? Um, what's his name? Clive Parry? Is that uh, Alan Parry? Alan Parry. Is he Alan Parry? Bag healer yeah. is he? Is he uh, John Champion? Is he uh, not Trevor? What's his name? Pierce? Jonathan Pierce? Jonathan Pierce? Is he Richard Keys? Is he Andy Gray? I'm not quite sure which level of uh, uh, commentary hate he should be at. I just like no. the way he he sounds. Um, I mean, everyone always asks if he's saying Emmanuel Adebayor, don't they? That's the that's the big question. That yeah, which is not. He's not saying Adebayor. He says something like, uh, llegar, which means uh, here it comes or something like that. Um, or here, here he arrives and then it's about Mesut Ozil scoring a he, goal. Here comes Emmanuel Adebayor, he says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so listen, this is a, a bit of a left field one. Um, I don't know if you saw a story this morning. Sky Italy. 
saying that uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain might be swapped for Nemanja Matic. And Andrew Turner, bizarrely, just before that story broke, apparently completely without any knowledge of it, said, as it looks like Matic may leave Chelsea, should we try to sign him? I don't know. I don't know quite what to make of Matic. No, because he was part of a very successful Chelsea team that won the league. Then he was kind of out of the team for quite a long period. And then back in last year, Mm. alongside Kante... I think anyone would look good next to Kante. <laughs> mm. You see, I mean, that's the thing. Is it a, is is he not considered good enough to play with Kante? I mean, why did Chelsea want to get rid of him if he's made such a um, an impact alongside Kante? And you have to say that their midfield was really good last season. Obviously, they won the title. Um, mm. Well, they're getting Bakayoko, aren't they? From from uh, mm. from Monaco. From Monaco, and I guess maybe yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, it seems odd that they would sell him. He was linked very heavily, Matic, with Manchester United, wasn't he? It seems odd that they would sell him to a, a close rival. Um, yeah, I, I can't... I mean, they're not going to sell him to United because I think after the Lukaku thing, yeah. um, Chelsea were supposedly interested in there, in him. But, yeah, I can't... I can't see it, uh, to be honest. I can't see Arsenal going for him and I certainly can't see any kind of swap deal involving Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and also Sky this season have plummeted to new depths their Sky sources tweets are now are embarrassing because what happens is a journalist somewhere or somebody will tweet out a story that gets retweeted and within a few minutes Sky sources tell us that blah 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 it's absolutely brazen it's unbelievably brazen. And of course, the guy that said um, we were going to we were um, gonna do the Matic, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain swap, he was the guy who said we were after the, the Nigerian striker, the, the guy who's playing in Belgium. Onyekuru is the... Uh, yeah, the, the, pips, the, pips to him in the end we were by Everton. Yeah. Oh, damn. Uh, did Everton just loan him out again? Did I hear that? Yeah, yeah. I think he went to Anderlecht sort of straight away. It was kind of a, a funny sort of deal where they bought right. him, but they're not going to take him for a year. Yeah. So, I mean, I think anything that comes from Sky or Sky Italia has got to be taken with a very, very uh, large pinch of salt. So... I think that's fair. I mm. think that's fair. I'm not sure Matic is quite the guy that we need either, if I'm honest. Um, he's a bit, he's a bit Xhaka, isn't he? And that's it, yeah. He's, he seems to me to be in a very similar mould. I feel like we're looking for someone maybe to play alongside Xhaka. Yeah. Do you see the bad news as well? Um, Glenn Camera has joined Dundee. I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's my, my FIFA career is absolutely ruined now. Oh, wow. I know. Well, maybe you could follow him to Dundee. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I don't think they could afford me, to be honest. Okay, I think we've got time for one more. And this one comes from John McNaughton, who's at mm. John McNaughton 1. And he wants to know what kind of bear is the best bear? Oh. Panda? You reckon? I don't know. They're a bit shit at having sex, aren't they? Pandas, isn't that? They're useless at it. Absolutely useless. I mean, God knows we've tried. Yeah. (laughs) Have you? (laughs) I don't think that's allowed, Andrew. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, they're good to look at. I mean, they've got their camouflage all wrong, if that's supposed to be camouflage. They're very conspicuous. Where could they live, though? They could only live in the Arctic or the Antarctic, but close to uh, giant piles of coal. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly. I think that's where they originated and then they migrated. <laughs> um, I, I like pandas. Polar bears are pretty good. Polar bears yeah. are excellent. I really like polar bears. Um, they are, yeah, I mean, koalas. Are koalas actually bears? I, don't, I was thinking koala, but I don't think that's a bear. Is, a koala, is a koala a bear? It comes up straight away. They're often called the koala bear. This animal is not a bear at all. It is a marsupial or pouched mammal. Right. Right. There you go. So koalas completely out of it. Yeah, polar bears are great. I mean, I think they're 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 awesome. Unfortunately, I think they're fucked because of, you know, the whole earth melting oh, and I read uh, that thing. What was it? Did you uh, read that thing? The the one in yeah. uh, New York magazine? New, New York magazine. It's I did abso- read it. it's absolutely terrifying. It yeah, really is. If you're, if, you're, if you're feeling too optimistic or happy or anything and you want to just feel like the world's completely doomed, do check out an article by David Wallace-Wells called The Uninhabitable Earth on <laughs> in the uh, New York magazine. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. It really is. Um, and not good news if you're a polar bear. Absolutely. Or a person. Or a person, yeah. but I think it's good. I think I think it's going to affect the polar bears first. So they're first in the queue. I mm. think. I think I'm going to have to go with a grizzly, though. Grizzly bears really? are, are, I think, the best. Number one, they're actually bears. Yeah. Number two, they're grizzly, and I think grizzliness is a is a great quality to have. I think that polar bears are also quite grizzly. They just don't feel the need to shout about it as much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, more subtle in their grizzliness. Well, yeah, exactly. I feel like if you have to call yourself a grizzly bear, are you compensating for something? Yeah, maybe. Should a bear by its nature not be grizzly? That is a very good question. Grizzlies may need to work on their branding, get a marketing team involved, get a new logo. What could they call themselves? What's the worst bear? What's the worst bear? Um, Bear grills. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I think I can't yeah. top that. Yeah. No. Okay. Any any bear that drinks its own piss has got to be the worst bear. <laughs> I don't know what bears he was copying when he when he developed that, but I don't see many bears doing that in the wild. I think yeah, he's, yeah, he's onto a wrong one there. I think he yeah he probably just developed a taste for it as a as a youngster, and that's it. You know what I'll yeah. do? <laughs> I'll create a career as an adventurer, a wild adventurer, forced to drink my own piss in front of millions of people on television, but secretly, <laughs> always, secretly yeah. I like. It. It's, it's an ingenious cover. He's going to oh, release a range now and in the next few years. Bear Grylls craft piss. Yeah. You know, different different flavors. Oh, this one is six point seven percent. I can actually see that catching on in Shoreditch. Or something. <laughs> so <laughs> All right. Well, look. I think we'll leave it there. Um, we are going to have another Arsecast extra before you go away. Uh, you're mm-hmm. away I next go away week. Next week, indeed. So we'll do one early next week sometime. We will indeed. Uh, thank you, as ever, everybody, for listening. Uh, thanks for bearing with us during the absence. Uh, of of Arscast Extras and everything else. So if you do feel like giving us a rating or review on iTunes, that would be swell. Really appreciate that. Thank you as ever for listening and we'll catch you over the next few days. Until then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 